two farms abutted one another. One of the farmers raised sheep, the other raised wheat, children, and large dogs, which did not make the sheep very happy. The sheep farmer had multiple thoughts about how to fix this situation. He thought about shooting the dogs. He thought about poisoning them. He thought about being nasty to his neighbor or taking him to court. And he decided to pray and see which of these might be the best. Well, as soon as some new lambs were born, the sheep farmer gave each of his neighbor's children one of the lambs as a pet. The children were thrilled, but their father could no longer allow his dogs to run rampant as before. He restrained them for the sake of the pet lambs, and the two farmers became friends. A problem appears and then is worked through step by step until it is solved and something positive comes out of it. Certainly you've had that happen in your own life. Today's story in Acts is a story of minds opening step by step. Think of infants whose eyes rove from face to ceiling to window Everything is new, and their brains are a blank canvas waiting to be filled with colorful scenes and beauty and ideas. As we grow out of infancy and then childhood, many of us get used to seeing the same things again and again, and that blank canvas, does it get full? Does it become monochromatic? What is it about that blank canvas that is sort of like a rusty door that doesn't want to open unless you push it really hard? When when the open when the doors to our minds don't want to open, sometimes we eventually stop trying. Robert Corin Morris wrote about this in a journal of spirituality called Weavings. He discriminates between totalitarian and pluralist trends. Pluralists, Morris says, reach out to build bridges of understanding. Totalitarians circle the wagons against that which is unfamiliar, strange, or just plain different. And these contrasting trends reflect a matched pair of basic human needs that the Creator surely intends for us to have travel together. Our need for a deep and distinct identity is balanced by the need to find things in common. The stranger carries both the threat of change and the promise of new and unanticipated gifts. So to survive, we differentiate between that which is safe and that which is unsafe. So we need an aspect of closed-mindedness to keep our tribe safe. At the other extreme, because we are all different, we need an aspect of tolerance 
Yet if we become too tolerant with no common values, say, of honesty and compassion, then people run amok and no one is safe. Now, none of us wants to admit that our minds are stuck in one position. But Peter's story is demanding that we examine them. So listen this morning to your own mind's door. Does it creak when you try to open it? Do you need some liquid wrench or WD-40? Peter did. And for him, the first drops of liquid wrench started in the form of a vision. And the longer and more detailed version of this story is in Acts 10, the previous chapter. This one Now, Peter is telling the story of what happened to other disciples in Jerusalem who thought he had done something wrong. So he's defending himself as as he retells the story. The totalitarian disciples want to know the details. Because Peter has done something completely inappropriate. He has not only gone into the home of Gentiles, he has eaten with them. (gasps) Now, to us... That is no big deal. To them, it was major. And so Peter, in order to help them understand what he experienced so that they could understand what he now knew, goes through his story step by step. So he's gone to visit Gentiles or non-Jews and has eaten with them, and people want to know why. So, step by step. First, he was praying. Then, he had a vision of something like a sheet coming down out of heaven. And on this sheet were all these unclean animals. Now, again, that's hard for us to understand these days. But these are animals that God, according to their Hebrew Bible, had told them were unclean, and they should not eat them. And so Peter, when he says, nothing unclean has ever touched my mouth, he's serious. He's never eaten pork. He's never eaten these other animals that are now in this vision for him on this sheet let down from heaven by four corners. And a voice says, arise, Peter, kill and eat. No way. Peter would never do such a thing. And yet he realizes that It's the Lord's voice talking to him, and the Lord says, what I have claimed as as clean, do not make it unclean. Peter knew, or so he thought, that eating these unclean animals would disconnect him from God. That's how serious this was. So imagine his disgust when he hears this, Arise, Peter, kill, and eat. And this happened three times. You can always know that in the Bible, when something happens more than once, that it's really important. So three times, the same thing comes down from heaven, and then it goes back up, and Peter hears the same voice three times. Arise, kill, and eat. No way, Lord! What God has made clean, you must not make unclean. Okay, the next step. Three men arrive from Caesarea. 
where someone else, a Gentile named Cornelius, has had a vision, a divine vision. And I think we can hear the creaking of the door in Peter's mind as he chooses to go with them. What he finds when he gets there is that God had invited these non-Jewish, unclean, uncircumcised people to share in the kingdom of God that he thought was only for the Jews. Peter was converted. His rusty door slammed open and wow, saw a new vision of what it meant that God had given to, to earth and to people this connection with God, not just to the Jews, but to all nations. There's another story told about conversion. A Jewish man moved into a strict Catholic neighborhood, and you may remember if you grew up Catholic or if you knew them when you were younger that um, Fridays was a day when no meat was eaten, but they could eat only fish. But this Jewish neighbor had come in, and every Friday he would barbecue steaks. And so the Catholics worked on the Jew to convert him, and finally, with long endurance, the Catholics succeeded. So they take the Jew to the priest who sprinkles holy water on this Jewish man and intones, born a Jew, raised a Jew, now a Catholic. The Catholics are not just relieved but ecstatic. They won't have to deal anymore with these maddening smells every Friday evening. But then the next Friday comes, and the scent of steak wafts through the neighborhood, and the all run to the Jew's house to remind him of his new diet, and they find him standing over the sizzling steaks, knife in one hand, the other dipping in water, and he sprinkles water over the meat and says, born a cow, raised a cow, now a fish. <laughs> now that's one kind of conversion. Thankfully, Peter's was deeper than that as was that of Cornelius. And through this shared experience, someone pours this bucket full of WD-40 into Peter's mind. The door springs open. It was a new day, a new life, a freedom of outlook and joy to realize that, that God's house is not small. It's huge. And that God welcomes all people into this hospitable dwelling. Now, Peter just has to convince his friends. Last week, the debate teams from several schools met for an exhibition debate. Their topic was whether students in Roanoke City Public Schools should wear uniforms. Our son was thrilled that his team got to argue for or to argue against school uniforms. He does not want to wear them. And when then he found out that I would be in favor of the students wearing school uniforms, he asked me why. Now, you might think that was thoughtful of him, but he asked for my opinions not to help him better understand and to maybe open his own mind, but so he could build arguments against my point of view. That door is closed and locked. 
But I think all of us are like that from time to time. We don't hear others' arguments because we're forming our own in our closed minds. And yet Peter had something in his favor. He had a personal experience. And people cannot argue against our personal experiences. In telling the skeptical, listening disciples about his exchange with Cornelius step by step, or Jack's version was, in an orderly manner, Peter said, And as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them just as it had upon us at the beginning. And I remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If then God gave them the same gift that he gave us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could hinder God? That is one of my favorite questions in the Bible now. Who was I that I could hinder God? And when the other disciples heard this, They were silenced. And then the final step, they praised God, saying, then God has given even to the Gentiles the repentance that leads to life. Their minds, the the doors to their minds sprung open as well. And they saw, too, that it's not just a small house of God, it's vast. No one can argue against our personal experiences of conversion. And rarely are they like Saul's who became Paul, and rarely are they like Peter's who all of a sudden realized and then set the stage for Paul and others who would have a mission to the Gentiles. All are welcome in the house of God. Those of you who've been around for a while here have heard the story, my story, of a number of years ago when my minister father and I were invited to co-officiate at the wedding of a family friend. It was at a, a church called Grace Baptist Church. And someone at the church had approved the participation of a female minister in the wedding, at least until the night of the rehearsal. And that night, the associate pastor, who was the the liaison there for the evening, pulled my dad aside and told him that my involvement in the service needed to be minimal because women ministers were not allowed there. Well, it was difficult, but to be gracious, dad and I adjusted our parts of the service that night, reducing mine, and then we arrived in plenty of time for the ceremony the next day. It was a good thing that we arrived early because, again, the minister came to Dad and pulled him aside. He said that I needed to have, I, needed, I couldn't even stand underneath the lovely decorated wedding arbor in the front of the church, that I needed to sit on the front pew, that if I had stood up there with my dad, then people would see me in the position of a minister and that there could be some deacons in the congregation who would then stand up and make a scene. And, of course, we didn't want that to happen. So I gracefully, I might add, (laughs) 
sat on the front pew and I stood up when it was my turn to read scripture and when it was when I could actually lead a prayer and then I sat down and my dad did the rest of the service following the service and I was young I'm kind of over it now but um, But I ran outside, I walked outside the sanctuary, and I stood against the brick wall, leaned against the brick wall, and I sobbed. And I, um, it, it was my first adult experience of blatant discrimination. Not for something I did. You know, I had been spanked for things that I had done. But this was because of who I was, who I am a walking, talking, estrogen machine. <laughs> Female. I, well, I could change that, but I don't want to. I like being female. I want to stay this way. And, you know, so now looking back, I can laugh about it and roll my eyes or whatever, but, you know, at the time, and now looking back, I can see that that was a life-changing conversion point for me. Or it was a major step in, in conversion for me. Through that experience, I learned lessons about hospitality, discrimination, and the dangers and pain of closed-minded religion. I also learned about friendship and pride and anger and grace. And that experience molded me like a potter molds clay. It helped and helps me glimpse the vast expanse of God's kingdom in ways that I would not have if I hadn't had that really deeply painful experience. And maybe you can look back at your own experiences and think about how it's been maybe the most deeply painful ones that have opened your mind in some way. And for those of us who haven't had painful experiences, who maintain our closed minds, life is kind of hard and it's kind of confusing. But I think once we sort of deal with our issues, get them out there on the table where we can deal with them in more healthy ways, then the spirit can work. And again, it may be painful. But it's through that pain that God works. It's through those crazy steps in our lives that God works. And so think about your own conversions. And think about the steps. Now, I can think of other steps in my life before and after that, which have helped me to see God's hospitality. And possibly you can too. So think about what steps you might be willing to share with other people, even painfully so. To get it out there on the table, but also to help other people, to help inspire other people to move closer to God, perhaps to open the doors of their minds And at the same time, we want our minds to be open enough, too, to the experiences of others. 
it's part of the joy of being Baptist, that respect for other people's experiences, that ability to disagree, but know that that's okay and still care for the other person. The Spirit of Jesus is active. I can't see it physically. And I think, too, about the the way that they described it in Pentecost, where it was like tongues of fire that came in upon the 120 disciples who were gathered in that upper room. So we don't see tongues of fire, and yet we know the Spirit is active in our lives, doing things, creating things, opening our minds, opening others' minds. At the same time, we have a responsibility to listen, to pay attention to what is being opened to us and for us and therefore for the whole world. Let's not be afraid to tell our own stories even as we listen and learn and love in the name of Jesus. Amen.